In the name of Jesus. As a boy, we would travel up to Minnesota to the family farm, and one phrase that I heard Grandpa, with his loud, booming voice, shouting at us, one phrase that my grandma, with a cigarette hanging from her lips and a fly swatter in the other hand, shut the door! It seemed that these pesky flies would just come in droves, first through the door to the mudroom, and then the door there into the kitchen. And they would come, and they would come, and they would come, and Grandma and Grandpa would yell at us, Shut the door! And these flies, how easily they got in. But they never seemed to get out. I think sometimes as Christians we fall into that reality, that belief when we think about faith and heaven. Like a fly, easy to get in, but hey, once we're in, once we've had our kids baptized, once we say our confirmation vows, and then maybe a few times that we'll attend here or there, as long as we're in, we're good. No need to worry about anything else. As long as you get in, just watch out for the cranky old woman with the cigarette and the fly swatter but you'll be fine. Jesus comes and teaches us a different reality today, a warning he gives about faith and about being a fly in the house. Today is the last day in the church year, the last Sunday. The church year begins with with Advent as we prepare for the coming of Jesus, the promise of the Messiah fulfilled in his birth. And then through his life, the epiphany, the revelation to the whole world that that he is the Christ, to pre-Lent and Lent where we meditate on why it is that he had to suffer and die upon the cross for us in that glorious Easter Sunday, where our alleluias ring loud and long as, as we recognize that in the midst of suffering and death, there is life. And then the season of green, the church here, where we talk about our life in Christ, where we talk about the gifts God has given us and how he has given this, not just to use for him, but for our neighbor to live and serve in this world as we catechize ourselves and our children with his word. And now this last Sunday, the church here, where we are reminded that there is, there will be, a last day, a judgment day, where we are reminded and taught that the person that is in charge of this last day, this judgment day, is none other than Jesus. Not you, not me, but Jesus. Jesus is, Revelation 3 verse 7, the one who opens the door that no one will shut. He is the one who shuts the door that no one opens. And thus we listen to Jesus this day with our parable of the ten virgins. Ten virgins who are preparing now to meet the bridegroom. A really big deal. Some of you might remember your 
own wedding. Maybe some of you are preparing for one now. The preparation and thought that goes into it, here we have five wise virgins that are doing just that. They're running around, they're making all the the plans. Wise here in Greek, as it's translated for us, means forward-looking. It means they're looking beyond just the day of the wedding itself. They're they're thinking about, about what is to come. They're planning for the future. But then we've got the other five, the foolish. The Greek word for foolish is actually moros from which we get the word moron. Yeah, didn't know that, did you? The five foolish ones here really aren't thinking at all about what's to come. They're just living in the moment, just enjoying the party. You know those parties before the wedding? They can be a lot of fun, and that's all they want to do. They're not too concerned about the events of the wedding or what's yet to come. So much so that when it's finally time, the bridegroom is there, they're not prepared. They're so hungover from feasting on themselves, from thinking only of themselves, that they've forgotten all about the bridegroom and they have no oil. It's a pretty sad day, a very sad moment, when the bridegroom turns to these five and says, Who are you? I don't know you. To be fair, all ten of these were virgins that had lamps and had oil. They were flies now that had gotten into the house. And there they were, except when they weren't. There they were to receive forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. But they forgot about those things. Matthew 24, we're told concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Jesus teaches you that this day will come. Are you prepared? Are you wise? Are you preparing for your eternal future? Is this something you give thought to? Or are you perhaps foolish, or dare I say and be accused of calling you one, a moron? I'll let you decide that, because Jesus goes on to give us kind of a test of how we can determine where we stand before him in this way. The first thing is to acknowledge that there will be this day, that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, that there will be this last day when there will be no more days after that, no second chances. A day, as we heard our youth choir sing so beautifully earlier, a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that day, St. Paul says, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, will come like a thief in the night. Therefore, Jesus says, watch, be wise, be prepared, for you do not know the day or hour when the Son of Man is coming. You see, when the bridegroom finally came in our text for today, the foolish, moronic bridesmaids had no oil for their lamps. They were fresh out. And that was the crisis. 
or will be the crisis. They weren't prepared. They took it for granted that they'd always have enough oil for their lamps. They, they just assumed. So they were not able to meet the bridegroom and join in the procession to the wedding feast. Because at that critical point, there's no oil to buy, or more specifically, there's no more time to buy oil. And there's no oil that can be shared. After all, you can't believe for someone else. It's you and your faith. And so to these five, the door is slammed shut. It's too late to be part of the wedding festivities. And the most hellacious words in all of Scripture are spoken, I don't know you. Why oil, you might ask? What's the point? I would suggest to you that the Lord's use of oil in the parable corresponds to something in your Christian life that is constantly being used up and must ever be replenished if the flame of faith in Jesus will continue to burn. Let's try this illustration, shall we? When we would travel up to Minnesota to go get yelled at by our grandparents, who loved us very much, I might say, we had a big honkin' station wagon. Do you remember those? We had a big, huge station wagon with like a 460 big block in it, and I think I remember Dad telling me it got like seven miles to the gallon. I'm not joking. We had to put gas in the tank of that car that would fit all eight of us, plus all the stuff we would travel with. I don't know how we did it today, and we didn't have seatbelts, but let's not get into that. We needed gas. Jesus' way of saying this in the parable is that without his words coming into your ears and filling your heart, without gas in your tank per se, There will be no travel anywhere. Forget going to Minnesota to see your favorite grandpa and hang out on the farm. Forget being yelled at for the flies or opening the door. Forget about all those great memories that you have on earth. Because without gas in the tank, without faith in you, through word, through sacrament, there is no trip or travel anywhere. Without faith in bridegroom, Savior Jesus, you have no access to the wedding feast of heaven, and the door is shut, closed, bolted, locked. One more analogy. Would you expect to take that old station wagon? Or perhaps instead of that, you've got one of these brand new, fangled, redesigned Cadillac Escalades. They get 14 miles to the gallon in the city, by the way. Beautiful truck. I'd love to have it. Not the 14 miles to the gallon in the city. But let's say you were to roll up here to the church and say, Pastor, check out my new ride with my new rims and my heated and cooled seats and and on and on and on. Because they have everything these days, don't they? And you say, hey, Pastor, I'm going to drive from here all the way out to L.A. And I say, wow. How many stops for gas will that be? And you'll say, ah, gas smash, who needs that? I'm just going to drive. I'll get there somehow. And I would probably laugh at you because I don't think one tank of gas is going to get you from here to L.A. No way. 
you're going to have to stop and fill up. And that's what Jesus is getting at. The oil in your lamps is, is His Word, is the Holy Spirit. And you need it because you cannot get through this life on your own on one tank of gas. That's why He calls you to have a day of rest, a Sabbath day. That's why He calls and establishes the Holy Christian Church on earth and sends pastors to come and serve you, to read that Word, to take that nozzle and stick it in your ear and pour the life-giving Word of God into you. That's why He comes as well, through simple bread and wine, where you sit almost like you do at the dentist, except without the pain, and you open your mouth, and He feeds you with His body and His blood, medicine of immortality, to get you through the travels of this life until that day that you will stand before His throne on that last and final day. You see, I think sometimes, even in our pish-posh Lutheran church, we think very foolishly about the last day. If I had $1,000 for every member of a Lutheran congregation who unwisely believes that, that they don't need anything other than, than just their baptism, they don't need to go to church on a regular basis, they don't need to pray, they don't need to study, huh, I'd be enormously wealthy and probably retired. Probably hunting every day, John Silverberg, I don't know. But Jesus warns us, watch Jesus instructs us, be prepared, because you need that word. You need my gifts. You need to hear law and gospel. You need these things because you are yet a sinner. So what do you think? You want to be wise or you want to be a moron? Because Jesus has come for you to rescue you from your sin from your moronic nature. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has come to offer Himself as that once-for-all sacrifice. Jesus has come to make that trip and that journey so that you can too. All the way from heaven He came to take on your flesh. All the way to the cross at Golgotha, there to pour out all that He had in His holy, precious blood to redeem you, to buy you back from what your sin and mine deserve, Himself to bear that punishment and Himself to conquer it, Himself to rise again. And His Father in heaven, your Father, who accepted this sacrifice for you. And Jesus now who makes you wise, who gives you lamps and who gives you oil in word and sacrament. And Jesus who says, now watch be prepared, because there will come a day, that last day, that judgment day, and you don't know when and where it'll be, but it will come. Are you ready? And thus we gather every Lord's Day like this. Thus, hopefully, I, I hope you pray every day. I hope you read Scripture in your home. I hope you talk about the gifts of Christ with your children and your grandchildren. I hope you encourage and build one another up. Because faith, faith, Romans 10, 17, faith that saves you on the last day, oil that comes in your lamp, 
comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And so the word of Christ has come for you. Remember that. Remember that when you're getting yelled at for leaving the door open. Because Jesus wants it open for you, and he's opened it wide and welcomes you in. So the Lord Jesus wants you to have faith in him for the long haul, for the travel north. Faith in him that will cling to him even in judgment day because that faith in Jesus very simply saves you and enables you to process with Jesus into the wedding feast of heaven. And it is only filled by Jesus' ongoing word of forgiveness and the absolution, the preaching of the gospel, the feeding with his Good Friday body and blood. Jesus today, this last Sunday, says, and we take to heart, watch, be prepared. God grant us such wisdom in our faith. In the name of Jesus. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.